0: like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair. What got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty
1: Rand.
0: Welcome to episode 85 of the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I'm here with my guest today, Stacey Brown Randall. Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited.
0: I'm excited too. I think this is going to be really interesting stuff. Guys, Stacy Brown Randall is a member of the Business Failure Club. I know. Don't you like her already? A contrarian on how to generate referrals and a supporter of the entrepreneurial dream. Oh. She's a three-time entrepreneur, award-winning author of Generating Business Referrals Without Asking, host of the Roadmap to Grow Your Business podcast, and a national speaker. Her programs help small business owners and solopreneurs take control of their referrals, their client experience, and their business. I feel like Stacey and I might have some stuff in common. She's had the privilege of helping well-known corporations and franchises from Bank of America, Mass Mutual, and International Minute Press. But her focus is on small business owners and solopreneurs from companies including HM Properties, Financial Symmetry, O'Connor Insurance Associates, Tyra Law, like you get it, right? Like you understand why Stacey's here, guys. I know you do. You're like, Estee, she's exactly the kind of person you want to talk to. She's been featured in national publications like Entrepreneur Magazine, Investor Business Daily, Forbes, CEO World, Fox News, Chatter TV Network, and more. She's got a master's in organizational communication and is married with three kids. So, Stacey, you and I really do have a lot in common. I am married with five kids.
1: Did you know that? Are you crazy? (laughs) I mean, when I tell people I have three kids, I think that's three too many. So five.
0: Yeah. I get, I get that kind of feedback sometimes.
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, sorry. I'm, I don't really have a filter all the time.
0: So, <laughs> Ditto, as, as all my amazing listeners know. Um, but yeah, no, we, we do seem to have a lot in common. So tell me a little bit more. I didn't see any of your background in there. How did you get into this? Have you always been an entrepreneur? Um, what got you into
1: entrepreneurship to become such an advocate of it? Like, what, what's the backstory? Yeah, Sure. So I always tell people I have a portfolio career. If you kind of look at my background, like if you looked at my LinkedIn profile and you're like, okay, what has she done, right? What are those jobs? those positions that she's held? They were, I didn't know it at the time, but they were kind of always leading me to where I am today. What I did know early on in my career is that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and not because like I watched some movie and I thought that's amazing. I actually sit around the Thanksgiving and Christmas table with a bunch of entrepreneurs every year and have most of my life. So I am the daughter, the granddaughter, the niece the sister and the wife of entrepreneurs. So they fill my house, Um, but all of them are the crazy kind because they own restaurants so that is that that does
0: definitely make them the crazy kind absolutely it does. no no question It does.
1: About and, it. and I don't mean any I don't mean that to hurt anyone out there who like has the dream of owning their own catering company or a restaurant business or a bar or whatever I think you're crazy and I can say that because I've worked in them I've watched them I've been married to someone who's owned one and so it's just kind of this I always was around entrepreneurship growing up as a child I'm um, even my brother right I mean like he's an entrepreneur too and like it was kind of always in our blood my father was an author I'm um, now when my parents had like what I would call real jobs right as a joke but my parents had jobs in sales for the most part growing up but then eventually my father became an author he was like a stay-at-home dad and he wrote and he had 21 books published he's a fiction author so we don't write anything the same but my mom was in sales she was like oh she crushed it in sales she's awesome at sales but she always loved working at my grandmother's her mother's restaurant and then she went on to kind of take it over before my brother took it over so I, it's always been a part of my life. And so when I graduated from college, I was like, okay, let's see what I'm gonna do first. And I got the typical job, right? I mean, I went to work, actually I worked for a lobbying organization in Charlotte, North Carolina. That's where I am still today. And I took that job and it was a you know an amazing, experience of meeting a lot of, and getting to know a lot of people in my hometown. Then I went on to work for the chamber of commerce. So I kind of had this, like, I kind of went wherever I was recruited, to be honest, but I kind of always knew what I want to own my own company, but I was smart enough to know, I kind of needed to know what I wanted that to be in before I decided to take that leap. And so you know, I got this background in sales and marketing. I had this background in like, association and conferences and I had this background in HR. Like it was just kind of this hodgepodge portfolio of things that I had done. And eventually I would launch my first company and this would be back towards the end of 2008. This is the business that put me in the business failure club. And I cannot blame the recession for why my <laughs> business did not succeed. It actually thrived. Surprisingly, through the recession, it was kind of after that that it took a nosedive, and that business. What was it a business in? Yeah, what did you do? It was an HR consulting firm. So it was a human resource consulting firm and I was, you know, the typical consultant and I had big name clients. Like the thing that's kind of like crazy when you think about this, when I talk about that business, people are like, I don't get it. How did it fail? Because I had big name clients like KPMG and BDO, two very large accounting firms, Snyder's Lands, Ally Bank, <laughs> Coca-Cola Bottling Consolidated, the largest bottler in the United States. Like I had city of Charlotte. I mean, I had big name clients that were, you know, who I was working with, but that business would not make it to the five year mark. It would fail just after hitting four years. Um, and I would have to actually go back and get a job. And so they were actually, I got to pause you. How did you
0: get the big name clients coming out the door in your first business? I always try try to ask the questions that I think the listeners are thinking. So listen to me, like, okay, entrepreneurial family, had a bunch of jobs, started a business, it was going well, but then you throw in, I had like the top tier accounting firms as clients, and I think people are going, how'd that part happen? (laughs) Where was that? Well, well, the question we should be asking is how'd that happen? And then what did you do to screw it up,
1: right? <laughs> I, I think mean, that's also a good question. Let, let's answer both of those. Yes. And I'm happy to share. Um, so what was interesting is, is that I think all business owners figure out early on, at least I hope they do, like how you're going to generate clients. It's not always going to be what you plan to do long-term, but you figure out something that works for you and then you just work it. For me, it was networking. I figured out that the networking piece just worked for me. So I joined a bunch of organizations, I got on boards, I was on committees, and I just grew my network. Now, in fairness, I had worked at the Charlotte Chamber of Commerce, I had worked for our largest magazine in town, I had worked for a lobbying organization that was well known in town. I had connections, I knew people. But when I started my own business, even though I had those connections, I still had to reintroduce them. To what i was doing and i did a lot of networking it's like the seven million cups of coffee and eating rubber chicken every day for lunch and dinner at different networking events and that's really how i built my business i mean i can think about one project i received It's because i served on a board with somebody else like it was all networking it was all building my network you know and it's just that idea of just because you know a ton of people doesn't mean anyone's going to buy from you i had to re-educate people that's where the 7 million cups of coffee comes in. I had to re-educate people on what I was doing. And then eventually I would do some speaking engagements for free at the local like rotary and things like that. And that would help grow the business too. Um, but really it came down to like hardcore <laughs> networking. I'm not a cold caller and I can't stand the cold emailing. I mean, I think people do it from time to time, but so I was like, okay, what else is there? And it was, yeah, I've got this business and I know how to talk to people. So I'm going to go talk to people and hopefully people that. will like me. And I love that. And, but you know, what's really hard about that? Hmm. Um, I started this business at the end of 2008. My son, I have three kids, as you know, hmm. um, my son was four months old at the time. And so it's starting a new business. I'm networking every night. I'm networking every morning. You know, luckily my husband, even though he owned his restaurant at the time, we, he did have some flexibility um, and we had to figure out how to make things work. Um, it was not something that was going to be sustaining me. The problem was I didn't figure out other ways to grow my business. And then when I added a second kid to the mix and I added grad school to the mix, because I guess I'm just a glutton for punishment. I clearly,
0: (laughs) Clearly, it was
1: was just kind of crazy, right? And then there were some key things that happened in my business that impacted my mindset that had me look at my business different, which was not positive. And then it was also, I never got off the hamster wheel of, Oh, I got a new project. Go back into my office put my head down do the work look up and be like oh oh wait the project's over okay let's go get more work and then get back out there and start meeting people i never figured out and this is the big lesson i learned from my failure i never learned how to fill the pipeline consistently in a way that could work without me constantly having to touch it like i think you should touch business development every day doesn 't mean you 're actually out there at every networking event or doing all the cold calling, making that pipeline fill itself up. There has got to be some mechanisms in the back end that do that for you, which of course which I know we'll talk about that 's what set me on my gen- my journey for this whole thing about referrals and so that 's what I learned when I came out of business number one, whereas yes, I had those great big clients I had I used connections, I met people, I was good talking with people, thank goodness because I don 't know how else I would have run that business. But I didn't build a system in place from a business development perspective, a sales perspective, where it was sustainable. And so I rode the roller coaster. And that's normal in your first year. So anybody listening who's like, I'm in my first year and I'm riding the roller coaster. You're supposed to. Like, ride the roller coaster. You're not supposed to have it all figured out. Go do the networking, the 7 million cups of coffee but four years later, I was still doing the same thing and the burnout hit and you can't scale when you're drowning. And so all these things kind of compounded where eventually I just had to wave the right white flag of surrender and be like, okay, this isn't working. I got to go get a job.
0: So one second, I want, I want to break this down. How many years, you said you did it for like four and a half years and you had these giant clients. Yeah. Yes. So and it, but it wasn't financially sustaining you or it was, but it was just this constant hamster wheel of like, I have the client that did the project. Now I need another one and another project. And you just burnt out.
1: Yeah. So it was a little bit of that. So one of those accounting firms actually was my biggest contract. And they were my biggest contract that fully funded the business for its first two years
0: ah, until all of a sudden, go. right. Until
1: all of a sudden, they weren't my con they weren't my client anymore right so it's like oh it's it's a one
0: client business which is basically just you know
1: like it's kind of just a less secure job (laughs) it's dangerous it's flat out dangerous and even when I had that one client I was picking up other clients I was getting used to having multiple clients but they were what I did as an HR consultant was very project-based yeah, it wasn't anything else. So that big client was certainly helping pay the bills and things were great until they weren't. And I had started bringing on new clients, but I never got over that. And I didn't do it fast enough. And that was really, I mean, it was that one client that I landed. I actually was working as a partner in another company. And that client said, you could totally do this on your own. And you should, and I'm going to be your first client. I mean, it's an entrepreneur's dream of how Is to that start how you started? Yeah, it, it's a dream I like way to start a business. Hey, you know what? You can do this on your own. We really like this piece, not so much this piece, which is what your partners do. We want this piece moving forward. So, you know, we'll just be your first client. Like, it's not supposed to happen that way. And in reality- I mean, but it can, but it, it can. But here's the thing, it taught me complacency. And I know better, right? I look back now, I'm like, who was that girl? Like, of course I know better, right? But it was the dream setup. I had a newborn, right? And then uh, when that contract was still happening, I was pregnant with my second. And so from that perspective, it was kind of like this really nice dream and I really enjoyed it. And it financially was working until it wasn't. And my business wasn't ready for that. And then I took two years of trying to figure out how to get it ready before I finally was like, okay, I'm out, like this isn't working.
0: Yeah, I totally, I hear you. And I think that so many people can relate to this story. I, I can't even count how many clients I've had whose story sounds like yours, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes with all the same parts where like they were working <laughs> at a company and then, you know, I, I've had clients who like, uh, you know, they want to go on that, leave them. The company says, okay, we'll just take you as a freelancer. They're like, cool. Like, I run my own business now, you know, and that becomes their first client and their main client. And then maybe they get one other one. And I, I really can't even count how many businesses begin with one, two clients that are their entire business, and then they lose one or both often at the same time, and it just <laughs>
1: destroys them. This is literally like you can script this. Yes. You know? I wish we couldn't script it to be, I mean, when we're talking about my ego, my ego is like, I'd like to be somewhat special in this and it not Sorry. be like, Oh, <laughs> did I walk down the path that everybody else did? But the truth is, is that it is very, very common, unfortunate. And it's funny because, you know, when I took a job and then I got out of that job and started my second business, I became a business and productivity coach. And what I recognize is probably the same thing you recognize is what I recognize is that I could see me in other people. And I could be yeah. like, mm, like if they became a client, then obviously I told them all of this, right? But like yeah. sometimes I'd have coffee with people and they're just getting their business started or they're in their first or second year and they'd be telling me what they're doing. I'm like, mm. I'd walk out of that coffee meeting, I'd say, mark my words, you'll be dead in two years. Like if you don't <laughs> change something, right? If you don't change something, you will be dead in two years. Like I'm so sorry. like dead in the water. Like, and it's and I could see it. And I can when I talk to people, even when I talk to my clients now and we have those conversations about just business in general, I'm like, oh. Oh, you got it. You got to get past that. Like you have to, because that complacency that it breeds or that, um, security that isn't actually security, but it feels a lot like security that you think you have. It's dangerous. And it's okay. If you're just wanting to create a company that is a job for you, but that was never my intention. My intention was never to get out of a job and build a job for myself. It was to actually build a company, help as many people as I can. And at the same time build sustainable wealth for myself and my family. So like just having a job wasn't ever what I was interested in, even if it's my name on the door. Right. I hear that. And you know
0: what? And this is something that I want to say, something that I've learned over the years, and maybe you've seen this as well. There are many paths to entrepreneurship now. So where someone like you and me, we come into this and we're like, I want a real business. I always wanted a real business. I wanted like a whole company. And I was never satisfied with being a freelancer from like day one. And I always wanted a whole company. And uh, And I think when we're young, and I'm going to say me, but maybe you can relate, you know, we kind of feel like everyone wants to be like us. And so, you know, in my early days, all my clients, like I kind of thought they also wanted whole companies, all of that, you know, and, and something I've realized I've been doing this over 10 years now. Um, not everybody does, you know, and I used to think that all network marketers were just a bunch of slime balls. And I realized like network marketing offers people who are not, entrepreneurial in the same way who don't want to necessarily create their own thing, the flexibility and the freedom to still do their own thing. And some people just want to be freelancers and some people Mm -hmm. never want to hire other people. And it, it just comes in so many shapes and sizes.
1: Like some people do want to just get themselves a job. You know, it, it's, what's in so interesting, and I see this too, and I would see this with some of my clients when I used to do one-on-one coaching is, is that you very quickly have to figure out, okay, what is it that they want and what is it that's driving them, but still identify the gaps and the potential pitfalls that they could find themselves in. So yeah, I mean, like I look at it sometimes and I know people who are like, yeah, I started a company and it's okay. That's really just my job. I'm like, yes, but you still need to do some things that build in some job security as best you can. And that ability to know, oh, if you have one client and they go, what's your backup plan? I don't need you executing on it, but I need you to know what it is. So yes, I think you're absolutely right. And I think that the comparison game is very, very unhealthy. So just because I wanted a big old company doesn't mean anybody else did or or has to want it. But I do think we still have some basic concepts of business ownership that we have to be following no matter how big or how small we want to get or how small we want to stay.
0: Totally. No, and that it, it makes so much sense. And something that I did also through my coaching training is sometimes helping people see what they don't necessarily see, right? Like I've had one client, I'm sure you've had the same experience where like in the beginning, she's like, I don't want to hire. I don't, I don't want to have anyone but me. I just want to figure out how big I can make this on my own, you know, and a year passes and she's growing and she's growing. And then our recent conversation, I'm working with her on and off for a few years now was like, Okay. I am completely done doing the work. Like I am ready to have only other. Like we've already hired, by the way, we've already like. But it's it's each step as it goes, and I think that one of the most beautiful things about being a, a coach, consultant, um, guide is is growing with your people.
1: Mm-hmm but uh, okay. That was like a total tangent. Yeah. Um, no, no, but, but I think you're right. I think that it's, it's rec- And you know, they teach this to you, right. When you're becoming a coach, like you never can want it more than your client does. Right. Yes. They have to want it more sure. than you. And there have been times where we're like, I want this for you so bad. And they're like, I'm good. I'm like, okay, well, that's all that matters. As long as I don't want it as much as you do. And recognizing what we ultimately want. Like the truth is when I started my business, I, I am a solopreneur. I mean, I have an army. Of people who help me but they're not my employees and i like it that way will it be this way forever i don't know right i mean i think that's the other thing about entrepreneurship is that the journey changes us and the journey yeah. changes so it's okay to decide what i wanted five years ago maybe different in five years from now and that's i think that's a good point um, that people always need to recognize is that you could get started with one thing in mind and then be surprised three years later when it looks different like i had somebody Um, They're actually in my Growth by Referrals program, but we had met, I didn't know this, I didn't remember this, we had met three years prior. She just joined this year we met three years prior, back when I was actually still doing some one-on-one coaching in addition to my referrals program. And I didn't remember meeting her or whatever. But when she joined the program, she sent me a private message and she said, Hey, you may not remember me, but we met three years ago. So, of course, I went back to my calendar. I'm like, Oh, let me see if I can remember. <laughs> I do the and same she thing. I'm like, like, Wait, when did I meet you? Right. <laughs> when did I meet you? She's like, We met three years ago. She was like, And you gave me a piece of advice that I did not believe. And I thought you were crazy. <laughs> and I was like, Well, that would obviously make sense as to why you didn't hire me to coach you three years ago. She's like, well, I couldn't afford you back then. She was like, but you told me what my business looks like in three years will not be what it looks like today. And I thought you were crazy. And she was like, and you're a hundred percent right. And I was like, yeah, because that's the journey, right? That's the journey of deciding to be an entrepreneur, deciding to be a business owner is to be understanding is like, you may have a direction you're headed but we don't know what the path exactly looks like to get there, which means over time it could change. And a lot of times that's for the better, right? And I think that's important for business owners to keep in mind. 100%, Um, and I used to, and I think that
0: also has shifted over time, right? We've both been doing this a long time. In my early days, I used to do five-year plans with people. We do like a six-month, one-year, two-year, five-year. And now I do like six-month, one-year, two-year flexible and five-year vision. Like I can't, (laughs) There is, we can like imagine, but we're gonna check in every six months to a year because the world is moving too fast.
1: Way too fast way too fast. Yes. Like stop the world. I want to get off. No, no. And I love that you said that too, because I actually, um, we're in the middle of a series right now on my podcast roadmap to grow your business. And we're talking about goal setting and I do it at the end of every year. It's one of my favorite things I get to do. And it's kind of a holdover to my business and productivity coaching days. And so it's one of my favorite things to do, but I walk people through this process that I call reverse goal setting. And we do, we, well, first we start with reflection, but the next big step we do is the five year, but it's a vision like it's a five-year vision of where we of where we want to be and it forces us to really get clear on what we want for our lives but what I tell people more importantly what are you willing to work towards I don't know if we're going to get there because it's a vision right we got to check in at the three year I so I do a five three one and it, that is the idea behind it is like hey it's just a vision but it is the direction it gives us a path of where we're headed but we have to understand that life changes so so fast exactly as you said it may not be the vision five years from now no, no, and, and it almost definitely won't Yeah, <laughs> just way too
0: much happens and it's happening. Um, okay. Wait, I want to go back. So we did the first business. We did the HR consulting. We had big clients, but we had like essentially just an insecure job, um, with like little accessory clients and a hamster wheel that at some point you were just like, I'm off. <laughs> like, cannot, yep. cannot do this. <laughs> so said so you were three times entrepreneurs. So I'm guessing that was number one. What was number two?
1: Okay. So it's so funny because I almost never talk about number two that much because it's so random <laughs> to like what I'm capable of doing, which is why it was like a little tiny blip on the I screen. Like random. Yeah. So randoms are good though, right? So the... I, so I had the HR consulting firm and it failed. And when it failed, I had to go get a job like W2, put on a suit every day, take a shower and go to work. Right. Like, and it was, it was one of those jobs where the company was really great. And I really do like the people and I'm still friends with them and stuff, but the work was awful. And I kind of hated my life for the 18 months or just a little less than the 18 months that I was there. It'd be one of those things where I would hear, um, my heel, heels clicking on the marble as I walked across the lobby in the morning and it would like jolt me to where I was. And I'd be like, huh, how did I get here this morning? Like, I literally would not remember my morning commute. Like, that's oh, how wow. like kind of out of it I was. I'd be like, huh, I mean, I have a Starbucks, so I know I stopped for it. But like, <laughs> how did I get here this morning? And it was a long, long, I don't know, 16, whatever months that it was. It was a really long time. So, <laughs> because I am an entrepreneur at heart, I actually started a side gig while I was in that, that corporate job, um, because I needed a distraction and I thought this could save me and this could be the thing that would get me out of there. And I started a children's clothing company.
0: Oh, I love it. I
1: I don't even know how to sew. (laughs) <laughs> okay like let's just let's just call this what it is but my mother you I said, don't have
0: to I do know how to sew so I've helped a bunch of my clients with their niche clothing lines where they're like yeah we manufactured this thing and it came out terrible I'm like yeah because you did the thing on a bias cut and you can't do that with that kind of fabric you're like what I'm like guys you might want to <laughs> learn about sewing
1: <laughs> right. and I didn't you know what I did it didn't want to learn. Had this cute idea. It was adorable. I'd been sitting on it for years. And my mother-in-law was in town. So my, my husband's parents are divorced. This is my stepmother-in-law, but she was in town and she was visiting. And I just talked about the idea. And she's like, what do you mean? Like, show me. I'm like, Oh, I've got it all sketched out, like in this notebook. And so I pulled it out and I showed it. Well, she's a master sewer. Like she is, she's got a, whatever you said. I don't know what that language was. She knows it all. She's got it all. She's got all the accessories. And she goes, I can do that, and I was like, "I'm sorry, what?" She's like, "I can totally do that." She was like, "And that's really brilliant of like how you want it to work or whatever." And it was like this, and I was like, "Really?" So we kind of like went in business together, but not really, um, because interesting. It, like, like this six is getting. To nine months- even-
0: be more interesting yeah.
1: as you go. So, six to nine months later, we were kind of done. The problem was she actually has really, she has a lot of arthritis in her hands. And so we would go through big stretches where she couldn't use them. And guess what? Her business partner didn't have a clue about how to pick up the slack. <laughs> and, so, and so I did investigate, like, what would it, what would I have to pay someone to do some sewing for me? And we had the Facebook page. We had the website. I would go to like the local, like, um, craft shop pop-up things and I would have a stand and it would sell. Like, it wasn't like there wasn't potential there. But when some of the problems started hitting with like with her hands and things like that, I got to a point where I was like, I really don't want to sell clothing. Like, I love this idea. I just wish someone would pay me a gazillion million dollars for it and go do something with it because this isn't really what I want to do. It was an escape and I knew it was an escape. I'm a big girl, right? Like I knew it was an escape, but I enjoyed it. It was fun. It was fun to like test that out. But like the business advice I give to people is, is that, You know, you don't have to know how to do everything within a company, but if there's, if you have other people doing it for you and they crap out on you, you better know how to pick up the slack or you better have a backup plan, which I had neither. So it just didn't go anywhere. And then I got certified at the same time as a productivity coach. And that was like, okay, no, this is the, this is the next thing I actually want to do. Um, it took a little bit of time before, um, I actually ended up like launching, that coaching practice, but that was what actually, what I say kind of saved me um, from the W-2 job. So that little tiny clothing company was like, I don't know, six, nine months maybe. And then after that, I was like, okay, now I know what I want to do um, for my next company. So a lot of times I talk about my productivity and business coaching practices, you know, company number two, but the truth is it's actually company number three.
0: Got it. Yeah. Cool. Well, I love that. I always wanted to be a fashion designer. I think I still might one day. Now I just live a through my clients. I have a couple of niche clothing lines. Um, my clients, so I just live through them. That.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. You know, my thing is, is that if it doesn't look good on the mannequin, I don't know that it goes together. So like, that is that is not my gift. That is not, I had somebody who told, it's like, I have a, so I do like usually graphic t-shirts, blazers and jeans. Like that's kind of how I dress like all the time. That's how I'm most comfortable. And I had somebody say like, I really need you to like put on a dress. And I'm like, oh yeah, no. unless i'm like accepting some award or going to some fancy party like just not happening like not my thing um i would live in yoga pants all day i mean actually like i'm sitting here right i look somewhat professional you have no idea what my pants look like right now and if they're professional that the whole yeah clothing not my thing style well, design. One of the benefits
0: makeup. of online work. It is, <laughs> Dress like from the waist up. <laughs> waist up, baby.
1: I just wish just don't I stand have, up. Right. Just, just don't stand, stand up. up. And I just wish I didn't have to do my hair and makeup. Like that actually, I wish I was like that, you know, ballsy to be like, yeah, I don't care what I look like. And people will still want to do business with me. I wish I could be like that. I'm not. So we're working on that.
0: Fair enough. Um, but actually, so one of the examples I give in in marketing, I think you'll appreciate this, is what I call like the um, like the ugly first date story. Um, this is one of the mistakes a lot of small businesses make in marketing. And so the concept is just picture like you're going on a first date with somebody and you say, listen, you know, I gotta be honest with the guy. Like. I don't really look like this on a regular day, you know? <laughs> so I'm not gonna go to the first date like all dolled up as if this is my real self. I'm That's gonna go kind of grungy, no makeup, sweats, hair kind of fuzzy, maybe a little smelly. Cause like, at some point in a relationship, this is what I'm gonna look like. So it wouldn't be fair for me to present any other way. Um, and it's obviously ridiculous, because if you do that, you look like a psychopath. So bad. Uh, right. So not good. Yeah. Right. Because the expectation is that you get dressed up for a meeting, and especially like a first-time meeting. And the understanding is you don't look like that, right? You know, the whole remember the whole social media channel? Like, I woke up like this. You know, right. like, the expectation <laughs> is you don't wake up like that. Um, right. but in, in small business many people like they feel like when they first get that they have to be so honest listen I'm not sure it'll probably work but it'll maybe work but once I was working with someone and it didn't work for them but I think it'll still work for you but I'm not sure so I can't promise and to me that's the equivalent of ugly first date like you want to let every bit of possibility of badness <laughs> hang out that's not how we introduce ourselves people understand that mistakes happen that nothing's perfect. don't make promises you can't keep but the right. need to like Super qualify every potential good you can do for someone. It's the ugly first date. I think you could totally go without makeup. You're fine.
1: Well, uh, thank you so much. Appreciate that. <laughs> I won't, but I appreciate your glasses me.
0: are really helpful. Just get glasses, so, and what? then you barely need makeup because you makeup <laughs> hides behind glasses
1: anyways. Why would you bother? Why would I bother? Yes, exactly. I'm sure for all the guys listening, they're like, okay, move on. Ladies, move on. <laughs> we will. Uh, the show is more
0: for them than than I'm joking. Um, okay, so uh, so the next business is the systems and operation. What is it? What so are you this, doing now?
1: Right. So it's interesting because this business has completely morphed. So mm-hmm. when I left the uh, W two job and left behind my you know my life as a clothing designer, the children's <laughs> clothing designers, I left that behind. Um, I got certified as a productivity coach, and so that's the next business that I launched. It was a productivity coaching practice that very quickly, because of my business failure and my background in HR and sales and marketing, very quickly morphed into actually business and productivity coaching, and that business looked and operated and acted nothing like the first, nothing like that HR consulting firm. And it was because I was very intentional about this business being what I call business number two. I don't even talk about the clothing company, but it was the idea of this business. um, It just, I was like, it has to be different. I cannot go through another business failure. I cannot go get another job. That was awful. And I need to figure out how to make this successful. And I know I'm smart enough. I'm capable enough. And I know where to find answers when I don't know what to do. So like we're going to figure this one out. The first thing I did right before I started my coaching practices, I kind of reflected and I had been reflecting back on like, why did that HR consulting firm fail? Like, why did I fail? And it came down to like three key things that I realized. And I talked to a lot of business owners who were actually successful and what was missing from what they talked about that was missing in my journey. I was like, Oh, and it kind of helped solidify these kind of three thoughts. And the first one was, is that you've got to protect your mindset. And that's really, really important. And I am much more intentional about that. And the the crazy thing is, is one of the first major cracks that happened in my HR consulting firm is I was actually applying for an award within this organization that I was a part of and somebody well-meaning, like this is a good person who was well-meaning, who had a company kind of like mine, but not exactly, um, came up to me and she was like, oh, Stacey, businesses like ours never win awards like this. Oh, I hate people
0: like that because they let their jealousy and their own like small mindedness ruin
1: you. I hate that. Well, so here's the thing. It was what her perception was of my business because we were in similar, like she was in HR as well in similar fields, right? And it was also her not knowing everything about my business from behind the scenes. And truly what I believe she was trying to do was she wasn't trying to dissuade me. I think she was trying to prepare me that I would probably lose this award. So I can understand that, but I didn't need to hear it. And I don't think I did, but here's the thing. I didn't hear it, how she intended it. She intended it to be like, Hey, Hey, like it's really hard for the solopreneur, small HR consulting firms to like win these awards. Like that was, I think her ultimate intent. What I heard was I'm really tired. I have a second child at home who's a newborn and there's laundry that needs to be done. And just like getting out the house some days is really hard. And I have to juggle babysitters and preschool. And I sometimes just want to do laundry at three o'clock in the afternoon versus the work I need to do. And I kind of just took her message and was like, yeah, we we don't, we're more lifestyle. Like we're more like, you know, just doing it as a side hustle. And it was like all the things I had told myself as to what I wanted my business to become, was like blushed and it didn't like flush them all out. I didn't throw the baby out with the bathwater like right away, but it fed into some of the other things I was already struggling with and it just needled its way in and it took root. And unfortunately when you don't protect your mindset and you don't remind yourself of your why and you don't figure out how to shut down that voice in your head, whether you put it there or you allowed it there from someone else, like if you don't figure out how to shut that down, it's extremely derailing when things are tough. It's not derailing when things are awesome, but when things are tough, that is derailing. And so I think from that perspective, that was one of the very first lessons that I learned is like, okay, if I start another business, like nobody getting in here, like this is me, this is my mindset, this is where we're going, and only positive people and with the positive comments are allowed in. And like, of course I take feedback when I need to, but like, I know why I'm doing what I'm doing. And I know why this business serves people well, it's because of what I do. And so nobody's kind of impacting the mindset. So that was like the first big lesson that I learned that I made sure I did different. Um, when I started business number two. So, and it was not just like, it's not like I just woke up and like, I got an awesome mindset now. Nobody's getting it. No, like I work on myself. Right. I like, I read books. I listen to podcasts. I'll go to conferences when I feel like I need that opportunity to do some, not only just professional development, but personal development. Like I used to never do that. I'm like, I used to be that person who was like vision board. I mean, are you kidding <laughs> like how girly can we be right? Like that used to be who I was. I just, and
0: I, I just made all of my program participants do vision. Like yeah. I, I added vision to the welcome module and told them either make a vision board or like a mind movie or a script or something. a tag cloud, make us something to look at every day. And I also used to be like, ah. Oh,
1: <laughs> right. I mean, I thought that was so silly. Right. I had made my husband and I do one this year. Like, he's like, what are we doing? I was like, yeah, we're doing it, dude. Like we are making it happen. Like I had had one for myself, but now we're going to have one as a family. And so, and he is super crazy. So, so, this support. I mean, he just supports me so much and he always wants the best for my success. And I'm really lucky because I married a man who's not threatened by it. Um, and so from that perspective, he's like, we're doing what? Okay, whatever. We're just doing it. If it helps you be successful, we're just doing it. Um, so, you know, I, I, I definitely act and, I'll, and hold myself to a different a standard in terms of protecting why I do what I do and not because here's the thing. The number one issue I deal with is ultimately me, and so I have to make sure I am my own worst self-sabotager. Like, like people are like, oh, struggle in business. I'm like, you're looking at, her. like I am it, right? I know we'll get to this more in a little bit, but like, I know that, so I know I have to protect my mindset. I have to surround myself with people who like are not afraid to hold me accountable when I'm procrastinating, but also at the same time are like, you got this. Now just go do it. Um, that's really important. The books that I read, the podcasts I listen to, the conferences I attend, like just like how I fill my life um, with things that actually breathe life into me versus, and it wasn't that I ever let a lot of negativity in. I just didn't fill the space, right? With the right. positive stuff. So that was the first. And if you like.
0: don't fill it with positive, it automatically gets filled with negative, like something yes. that I learned. Um life is a downward escalator. And it would be so nice if that was not true or if I was just being pessimistic, but I'm not being pessimistic at all. It's if you're standing still, you're going down. Life is a downward escalator. If you're not walking up, there are too many things that will just naturally drag you. Pull you right back down. Yeah.
1: Yep. And absolutely. that's just the way it is. It's not good. It it's
0: not bad. It just is.
1: It is. is. And so the second big lesson that I learned was, is you can't scale when you're drowning. So when I started my second business, my productivity and business coaching practice, I already knew I'm a coach. And if you don't know this, when you get started in a coaching practice, I don't you are not paying attention. You are trading dollars for hours. It just is what it is. And you can increase your rate if you want to, but you will eventually tap out in your market, depending on what your market looks like. And I don't care if you're tapping out at $300 an hour or $5,000 an hour, you eventually tap out at some point in terms of that hourly rate when you're looking at it from a coaching perspective, when you're doing one-on-one work. So I went into my coaching practice thinking, okay, scaling is the name of the game. I'm not going to do it at a point where I don't have the funds to actually support the scaling. I didn't know how I wanted to scale, right? So I didn't start my coaching practice thinking, I'm going to one day have an online program that teaches people how to get referrals without asking. But when I realized that had become my superpower in growing my business myself, I was like, and now I have my scalability idea. And so now I can do right an online program where I have students from seven different countries all around the world in my program I'm helping people I never would have thought that I have the opportunity to help and it's that potential right of knowing that there is the ability to truly scale and so recognizing it early on as a business owner like don't know what it is but I'm looking for it and when I see it I'm going to vet it and make sure it's good and then taking it um, when that opportunity kind of came along which is ultimately what shifted um, my business structure and that and it kind of Um, kind of parallels into that third major lesson that I learned, which is you've got to touch business development every day. You've got to have processes and systems in place where you were touching business development so that you always have the pipeline full of new clients. And so that was one thing I didn't have with my first business, but as a business and productivity coach, like I was like, okay, fill the pipeline because people would first, you know, sign up for so many months and then eventually it grew like you had signed up for a year. And then it, it, made the business even out a lot more. There wasn't as many highs and lows, but it was like, I was constantly filling the pipeline of prospects because when I, when I had an open spot, I wanted to be on a wait list, right? And so that's what I'm of-
0: I got to pause you. So you kicked yeah. this off. You kicked it off with group coaching from day one or no, with the vision coaching. for it? You kicked it no. off with one-on-one coaching in the beginning.
1: Yeah, so it kicked off as one-on-one coaching. I knew I wanted a scalable opportunity, which actually became my online program.
0: Got it. Yeah. Okay.
1: Yep. So when I've done other things, like I've done business retreats for business owners, where we take it, go away for a weekend. And I've done some small groups before. I mean, I've tested lots of things as I was growing the coaching practice. But once I realized that my ability, like, so what happened was, so here I am a business and productivity coach. This is probably the best way to tell a story. I'm a business and productivity coach and things are going awesome. And I'm raising my rate. Um, often I'm raising my rate often. I'm decreasing the number of spots on my calendar. I really am building this business that I'm really proud of. And that's serving me well, like emotionally, financially, like it's just, everything's good. And my clients came to me and they said, how are you growing so fast? It's hard to get on your schedule. Now. If I don't sign up now, I lose my spot for like an entire year and you're on a wait list and you're raising your rate all the time. Like what's happening. Right. And I'd be like, Oh, it's because my pipeline is always full of potential prospects, potential clients. And they're like, how are you filling it? I'm like, Oh, well, I just get all these referrals. And I was like, but it's awesome because I don't have to ask for them because how awful is it to ask for referrals? And they're like, it's awful. They're like, "So you're getting all these referrals. I'm like, yeah, like, I don't know if you remember, but you sent me two like recently. And they're like, Oh yeah, I did. And you didn't ask me for them. I'm like, yeah. And they're like, how, how are you doing that? how are you growing so fast that you're generating referrals that you're not asking for? Because remember when you get a referral, your close ratio goes up. So you close more, they're less price sensitive. They're easier to close. They're quicker to close. They're like the dream prospect. Right. And they're like, yeah, so it's business is great. Like it's really good. And they're like, great. Now I want you to coach like, thanks Stacy, for all the business and productivity coaching you're giving me. Now I want to get really laser focused on you teaching me. How do I get referrals? Like you are, how do I get referrals without asking for them? And I'm like, Oh, well, I don't know. Could just be me. I may be special. It may be my personality. It may be my abilities. It may be my industry. It may be that, you know, I'm funny. Like I didn't, at first I was like, okay, well, I know there's things that I do. So I started teaching it. Okay. So then, you,
0: you teach us now, obviously, like <laughs> with that right. introduction, you've got to tell everyone what it is.
1: <laughs> well, so what's interesting is, is, so I started teaching it to them. And what happened was I first taught it to those first few clients. I realized, and as the more I taught it, the more I was like, Oh, I do this. And then I do this. Oh, it's look, this is a repeatable process. Oh, look, there's five steps and so in the beginning it was very hodgepodge but i would teach it and then they'd be like okay and they'd go do it and then they'd have success i'm like oh it's not just me it's not the introverts having success as much as me as the extrovert is having success look at the attorneys having success not just the not just the coach right like it was all these things i started noticing like oh look at that a doggy daycare had the same success oh look at that that you know it was like the cpa just They got more referrals than me in a year. Like all of a sudden they started having success. And as I taught it more and more, then I realized it's a system. It's a process and I follow it. But there's some very key things that make it work. Like people always wanna take a process and reduce it down to the easiest steps because let's be honest, most of us are lazy and we're looking for the easiest way to do it. And that's what I love about my system. It's, It's five steps and it's easy, but who you are and what you do is actually what makes it work. Hey
0: guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this.